Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Daily, KFH, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor, Chad Chambers producing. It is a Thursday edition, which means we're talking betting with our betting insider, Chelsea Messenger. Uh, a lot of people's favorite betting moment of the year is the Super Bowl. We've got more to get into on that. More props are out, uh, player props, all kinds of fun stuff. We'll do that later in this hour. Tim Fitzgerald, our K-State insider, joins us at the top of the next hour. We'll talk about K-State hoops, picking up a big win and heading into a weekend and a stretch of schedule where they have some opportunities to move. Tommy, the Shockers lose last night. That's where we'll start today. How are you this morning? I'm good. Good to be back. Had yesterday off and uh, looking forward to getting into the downhill slide to the weekend and, of course, the Super Bowl on Sunday. So glad to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a heck of a week. A lot of college basketball. We're getting ready for the Super Bowl. NBA trades, right and left, Tommy. Kyrie Irving on the move. Uh, Kevin Durant apparently was traded late last night. There's other uh, big-time names out on the block. A lot of people think former Shocker Fred Van Vliet might be one of those names. So we'll, of course, keep our eye on that as he would be uh, one of the bigger chips moved if, in fact, that happens. Uh, a lot going on there in the NBA. LeBron James had the scoring record. You know, Tommy, that record, or that, that Durant trade comes in late last night. I, fortunate, fortunate and fortunate, unfortunately for me, I was up all night, ate something bad. You know what I mean? Ugh. Like, kind of up all night. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it you never, were at the Shocker game last night, weren't you? No, for just a minute. This is way. Okay. This is way later. Way later. I had to work last night, but you know, y- you get on there and. And, you know, it's one of those things for me where you deal with it because, you know, diarrhea is genetic, Tommy. Oh. Yeah. It, Great. it runs in your genes. Yeah. We're we're starting the day off. Yeah. On a, Run, runs on a in good your note, genes. I can tell. Yeah. Get it? I, Run, I got. Runs in yeah, your genes. I, I got Somebody you. stop me. We'll get that out of the way <laughs> real quick today. Thank you. Right Thanks. off the top there. Uh, no, but we did have some late night news. I missed it. I saw it this morning and I got any, e- I always thought it was fake. I was like Durant traded. What, what, what are you talking about? Cause I went to bed late last night. I worked TV last night. Um, and I'm fine, everybody. I actually did not have any, uh, any bad things happening to me last night, but <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later too, because it's, it's been an interesting week in the NBA, but let's start with the shockers, Tommy. <sighs> that was, I, I think for me. That was the worst loss of the year. I, I'm really, really, really disappointed in that loss last night. I, I mean, I you know, like, what what are you going to do? Uh, yeah. That's a game they had to have. It's a game they should have had. It's a game they led by 11 at one point in the second half. And here we go again. Another loss at home. Another blown lead at home. What are they, 1-5 now in the conference? 
And at a time where the team was clearly coming into the game, playing its best basketball of the season, they let another one go. And this time it's not against Houston, right? Or Tulane, Mm -hmm. who's been good this year. It's against UCF, a team below you in the conference standings. And in the East Carolina and Tulsa wins, right, they – they allowed teams to come back, but you know you were getting in the second rotation, and some things like that were happening. I don't know what to, I don't even know what to say at this point. Yeah, um, I've had a, a hard time really getting my my thoughts together for this game. Um, I think the word disappointing is an understatement, um, and, and I have tried everything in my power to think of positive ways to i don't want to say spin the shocker season but yeah some positive things to hang your hat on to look at silver linings glass half full all of that i got nothing anymore honestly i got nothing uh because all we had talked about and everybody i think was starting to maybe see things come together a little bit where all right they're on the right track things are moving in the right direction they've looked pretty complete for the most part You know, uh, the last few games, they had won five of eight conference games. You thought, all right, they're going to be able to get to 500 in the conference. They're going to be a couple of games over 500 overall. We're seeing a new look shocker squad where they're really prioritizing the offense. uh, So it's more exciting to watch. I felt like even though they lost against Houston, all right, they've got some momentum here. The complete win against East Carolina. They beat Tulsa. I know they they almost gave that one away in the second half, but they still got a good victory there. And then last night happens. Um, And all of that momentum, all of the positive thoughts that I had had going into that game about the long-term future for the Shockers, it's gone. Yeah, I I, I agree. And and, and the tricky thing is, too, like, they're going to continue to be, I think, in every game that they play. Um, there, there are some really talented players on this team that just – I don't know what happens. And look, last night, Taylor Hendricks went on an absolute tear, right? He was incredible, and he's going to be a first-round pick probably for that reason. But, you know, it's always something. And they turned the ball over, and they gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. And that's what always happens, right? 18 turnovers in the game. Like, Wichita State's not equipped to turn the ball over 18 times. You know, Texas might be able to win a game where they turn the ball over 17 times, but that that can't be Wichita State's game. And it just, it piles up on them so quickly in those moments. And I don't, I don't know what else to say to fans other than this is what we have right now. And it's a team that, I I do think this is now a fun team to watch, albeit frustrating right now in the second half. But I do think that, you know, it's it's a collection of pretty talented players that are capable of winning probably just about any game that they play. And that at least gives us reason to watch. But that, you know, when you get hyped up and you get reasons to watch, because I was pretty excited about that game last night. And, and in, in the last, you know, 10, 14 days have easily been the most excited about Shocker basketball I've been all season because we can begin to see some things, right? And then, man, that rug just gets pulled right under, out from underneath you. And, you know, I'm talking now as, you know, an observer or for Shocker fans at what this feels like. And, and man, I just don't know what you do. And, and we saw, you know, things like this last year. It's just 
they're frustrating. They're as frustrating as any team that I've covered now for a couple of years. And and you you get into a game like that, and and I I that was a game they had to have. That was a must win game, and they didn't get it. And so now, you know. I don't know what reignites anybody. I, I suppose if they continue to play well and beat some teams they're not supposed to beat. But, man, even if that happens, it's like the two-lane second half. You know, when you look back at that one, that really stung because it deflated the momentum so much. And that's what last night did. And, again, here we go. Win-loss, 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 right? Seven games now. They can't They can't string together a win streak and— Boy, I, I know that there are a lot of frustrated people right now, and I just I don't have anything good to tell you. Um, obviously, now, there you, are bad yeah. things to tell you, but... Right. It, it used to be, I think, you know, as recently as a month or two ago, that the frustrated fan base, I think you could point to a couple of different things. Like, all right, yeah, I get you're frustrated, but there's this to hang your hat on. Or, I understand that you're unhappy about the direction of the program, but take a look at that. Right. That's not really there anymore, I, at least for me. And I, I know that there's the danger of getting into hyperbole and overreacting to things. But, you know, this has been we're late into the season at this yeah, point. There's, you know, there's no like, there's no overreacting. Right I don't now. think it is overreacting anymore. And, and I've been and I'm on record being an Isaac Brown defender. Um, I think I said I, I'll, I'll call myself out. I know that there are receipts out there. I said at the beginning of the season that Isaac Brown should not be on the hot seat at all. Uh, that was at the very beginning of the season. Well, things change, and Isaac Brown should absolutely be on the hot seat. And I think that the, the big oh, yeah. disappointing thing is the fact that they can't hold on to leads. They cannot close teams out. And what's concerning about that is you would think in a season where the coach is fighting for his job and the players should be fighting for their coach to keep his job – that you would want to lock down late in a game and make sure that you're getting victories that, you know, you're up by double digits midway through the second the second half and you can't get it done. Uh, and so that's that's super concerning uh, to a point to where this team is probably in or should be in desperation mode uh, and they're, they're not able to lock down and finish out a game that they should have won. I don't I don't know enough inside the locker room to say you know the players I, I think that the players are are working hard playing hard and I think the staff is you know is I, I don't think anybody's not doing their job from a sense of effort right I've never had that sense from this group it's not working which is a problem obviously but I don't I don't have an effort problem Craig Porter after the game you know, was frustrated, and, you know, his, his point is, man, we're working our tails off. We feel like we're playing really good basketball, and, you know, obviously that's really disappointing, but we still feel like we're playing really good basketball. And and I think that that's true. And the, the problem, though, is it's been for such a stretch now, and it goes beyond just this year, that working through that is no longer acceptable to the fan base, and, and that's hard to do. But, and I, look, I, I think that, Isaac Brown was the right hire when they made the hire when you consider everything around it when you can, like when you really go back and think about it and and the hard thing too is going to be the expectations for Isaac Brown right out of the gates were probably I would venture to guess and I would go lean to shocker historians on this but I would venture to guess the 
the expectations for Isaac Brown out of the gates as the head coach of Wichita State basketball were higher than any other coach that they've had because of what they were coming off of, because of the perception that they were still there when he was hired. Got news for you. They weren't, right? They weren't making the tournament. They were having mass transfers. There was all kinds of stuff happening, right? They come, you know, you come out of the gates and you win the league. Like the expectations got out of control, I think. Go back and look at all the Shocker coaches and their record through their first three seasons. And we could do that, right? Isaac Browns would be right up there with any of them. So the expectations have always been unrealistic. But the reality is, Tommy, there's too much writing on the success of Wichita State basketball. I mean, the expectations are there for a reason, right? You've had a taste of the good stuff and what it can do for the university and for the city and all of these things. And that's the unfortunate reality of it, I think, for Isaac Brown is those expectations are always so high, but but they are what they are. And, and you can't ignore the expectations at this point. Yeah, I think that Isaac Brown is a victim of those expectations, but also he's a victim of his own success a little bit. You know, coming in yeah. and winning the league his first year, uh, you know, when, and he had the interim tag removed, and it was the feel-good story in college basketball around the country, coming off of everything that Wichita State had come off of with the Greg Marshall situation. Uh, and, you know, even those people that maybe thought, okay, this is not the best hire I think they were able to get on board at least temporarily because of the feel-good nature around it. And then he was just unable to duplicate that success, and that's really, really hard to do. I think that everybody uh, can can say that Isaac Brown is a good guy. Um, and, and this is not an attack on his character whatsoever. I think he's a good guy. Uh, I think he's probably been, definitely been, a hell of an assistant coach his entire career that he's had. But one of my biggest concerns, especially here lately, with Wichita State, I tweeted about this last night, is that he has a tendency to speak in generalities and not really give people a whole lot of substance after losses. And, you know, I've heard him say things like, oh, we just have to defend better. We have to shoot better. Um, we have to have better effort. Okay, can you give me more than that? Because I feel like if Shocker fans had a little bit more of a clear view on what exactly is going wrong and what he intends to do to fix that, then there might be a little bit of a longer rope to be able to give him, you know, some some opportunities to, to fix it. But when when he's not really saying anything and they're non answer answers, then that just gets the fan base frustrated. Like, all right, you understand that there needs to be specifics in place and there probably are within the program. But if you can outwardly demonstrate that to everybody and say, this is exactly what I'm seeing. And Greg Marshall was really good at that. You know, this is exactly what I'm seeing, what's not going well. And this is what I intend to do to make it better. And then the fan base can be like, all right, like we can get behind that because there's a clear articulated plan. And we don't really see that very often, if at all from Isaac Brown right now. And I think that's to his detriment. Isaac Brown's won about 60% of the games he's coached, okay? That was at a higher clip than Mark Turgeon, Randy Smithson, Scott Thompson, Mike Cohen, uh, Harry Miller. You know, you're, you, we look at this, and you go back to the, you know, to the 50s. Ralph Miller won at that clip. Gene Smithson was a little ahead of that. Eddie Fogler was a little ahead of that. And Greg Marshall was way ahead of that, right? Greg Marshall won 74% of his games because of, you know, the stretch and the run that they had. But that's that's what's always been hard about it. Isaac Brown's not comfortable with the media. He's not comfortable with the microphone. That's not his thing. It was never his thing. 
Um, and and that's you know that's a part of it for sure. It's part of it when you've got to you know you know shake hands and kiss babies and do all that stuff. But you know from a pure basketball perspective, he's all basketball all the time, and his teams are winning. You know this year they're what five hundred, but in general, his teams are winning a little more than sixty percent of the games that they play. That's a good clip. And in the history of Wichita State basketball, it's a good clip. That's what I mean. Like, this is such a unique and interesting circumstance. And look, maybe the expectation does need to be higher than that. I, that's always been, you know, the question for me that I've had a hard time answering. Even in the late Greg Marshall years when they weren't making the tournament and guys were transferring, it's always it was always hard for me to say, you know, like, well, you know, what should the expectation be here? And I think when you can fill an arena and pay a coach, like they were able to pay Greg Marshall and and consistently sent guys to the NBA, that's you know that that makes it a really high expectation. And Isaac Brown may be a victim of that, right? You come in, clean up that mess, win the league, albeit in a very strange year. And in a normal year, that team probably doesn't win the league, but they did that year. They got it done. And then you you know you're winning games at a sixty plus percent clip, and that's not good enough. Boy, if that's not good enough, if that's not good enough, Kevin Saul has a really large task in front of him, because there are a lot of important people that did not want Greg Marshall to go anywhere. Now you've got to motivate those people. If you're going to make a change, you've got to motivate those people to pay two coaches that aren't coaching and go spend the money to get a big-name coach. Because if you move on from Isaac Brown, it better be for a big-name coach. You can't, I don't think, and I could be wrong about this. I don't, I'm not, like, very convicted in this. But just off the surface, if you move on from Isaac Brown and go get an assistant or a, a mid-major coach that nobody's ever heard of, Boy, you better be right, and you better be right really, really quickly because people aren't happy with Isaac Brown, and Isaac Brown won the league in his first year, right? And he, you know, he, he, he's winning a ton of games. They're, you know, they're, they can be frustrating teams, but look across the American Athletic Conference at your peers. Houston's always there. Memphis disappoints every year. And then it's a lot of chaos in the league, right? Teams are good some years. Teams are bad some years. So you better decide as a fan what you think needs to happen. And Kevin Saul, if you if you have to make that move, and, and again, I don't envy the position. I hate these kinds of conversations. Um, it's what we do, but they make me uncomfortable. You better swing for the fences, and you better connect. Yeah, I, I think that there was um, a, a good contingent of Shocker fans. Not everyone. I'm not speaking for the entire fan base here, but there was a good section of people that when Isaac Brown came in, it was a little bit of a, a breath of fresh air because of the the decade plus of bravado from Greg Marshall. And Greg Marshall, we all know, was a hell of a coach. But I think that everybody, not everybody, but there was a good amount of people that they liked more of the soft-spoken you know, maybe, you know, we can take a breath and not always be, you know, hit in the face with quotes and that sort of thing. Like that was kind of a welcome thing, I think, for a little bit, at least for me, it was I'm like, all right, like, you know, Isaac Brown seems like a good dude. And like we can we can get behind that. Uh, unfortunately, as time goes on, 
You need more. You got to get something out of him. And it's really difficult to do that. One thing that he did, uh, he kind of, he did give at least a little bit more of a substantive answer after the game last night was he questioned whether or not he has the right guys that can go out and get rebounds when it matters the most. And, and so that was, you know, I felt like, okay, well, he's actually pointing to something clear here, but at the end of the day, you're, you've got to make sure that whatever you're doing as the head coach, like your attitude, the way that you carry yourself, a lot of times that's going to be uh, communicated to the team, right? And to the fan base. And there, there's not a whole lot of like, there's no bravado there. And I get that. That's not his style. But unfortunately, when you're playing a, a team like UCF that you're favored to win at home and your home turf should be a place where you know you're going to go out there and get victories and you can't hold a lead, yeah, like, unfortunately, you're going to point that right back to the head coach. And so, to your point, Kevin Saul has an incredibly difficult decision to make. Of course, the season is not done yet, but we keep grasping for straws. Like, all right, well, if we if we see this down the stretch of the season, if they can get this win, if they can beat this team, then, you know, maybe there's some... I just don't know if that exists anymore. I don't know if that's realistic right now because th this team has not given us any indication that they can string together multiple wins and unfortunately, that's going to be at the detriment of Isaac Brown and his job. Yeah, look, I I don't I'm holding off on any takes because the circumstances around what's next are unknown to me. Right. I'm not going to say they need to make a change because I don't know what's you know, what's possible in what comes in next. I ask the question all the time when any fan base is clamoring for a coaching change. I always ask the same question. Okay, but who are you going to get, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it can be worse, right? It can be worse than 500, I promise. Yeah, right. I, it, hate, I hate talking about this. I, I hate suggesting that they need to move on. I, I've been an Isaac Brown defender from day one. I hate it. I just don't have a whole lot more I can hang my hat on right now. Well, right. Again, like it's not for for me it's not even that. It's what what would be next? Like if you if you're going to go make that change, what's next? Because if you can't afford to make that change because the finance is involved, then I don't know that the change is, you know, you you better you better get it right. Uh 869-1240 Shocker fans, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. Our pal Chelsea Messenger jumps in as we make our way through this Monday edition of Sports Daily.
AM Star. We had a little connectivity issue there uh, for a second. We welcome in our friend Chelsea Messenger to talk betting. Chelsea, do I have you? So we are going through a little uh, issue here with technology. I think there are some Internet outages here in town. Um, so we'll just keep you here for, for a minute here while we try to get things reconnected. Uh, it is Super Bowl week. It is betting week. Um, we'll talk a little bets here, even if we can't get uh, Chelsea back in. But it has been uh, it has been a long week. Well, really, it's been a long ten days if we're being real about it, right? And we sit here now, just a few days away from the Super Bowl. It's hard with the Super Bowl because all the hype, all the things that go into it, all the silly questions that get asked, all the fanfare. And it almost wears you out to be able to get to the actual game and get there and be able to play a football game. And I cannot even imagine what that's like uh, for the players. But for us, even as fans, I think it it wears on you a little bit. But we have all kinds of bets. The Chiefs are still one-and-a-half-point dogs. And we sit here with this, and – I still like the Chiefs on the money line. They're getting healthier. Andy Reid saying today that Kadarius Toney uh, is getting a little bit healthier running around. Reid said Toney has looked good so far, but today is the big practice for him to be able to show it. He's been one of my favorite props um, if he plays. I think the Chiefs have been trying to feature him. You know, we would have been right on that in the last game, but he got hurt, and that's always the risk with Kadarius Tony, and it's definitely a risk when you, you know, when you talk about when you talk about trying to take a player prop. One of the hardest things always is is when your guy gets hurt. Um, so I like him in the game as a player prop. On the other side, Kenneth Gainwell, who's been featured a whole lot more uh, lately, right, is just sitting at like 19 rushing yards. I kind of like that one too. I kind of like Gainwell. I kind of like Tony. Um, I'm probably avoiding Kelsey props in this game because they're always inflated. And yes, he hits them a lot, but the Eagles have a really good defense against the tight end. So that one, that one spooks me just a little bit. Um, I do like a Kelsey touchdown as, as a prop. He's, he's the favorite and he's got the lowest odds of anybody. Um, so that one's out there on the table. Um, you know, the over under, in this game, I don't like it all. It's at 50 and a half. I, I guess I would have to take the under, but I could easily see it getting over. I think most people are predicting this game to get over that total. We've got Tommy there's, back and Chelsea is ready. There's just there's just a lot there. Okay, so we're reconnected here. Tommy's back with us. We've also got Chelsea. So, Chelsea, I laid out a couple of props that I'm liking in this one as we welcome in Chelsea Messenger, our betting insider. I'm going to be on Kadarius Tony if he plays. And I'm going to be on Kenneth Gainwell uh, because he's been emerging in this offense and all his props are still pretty low. What do you think? Yeah, I'm definitely on the Kenneth Gainwell one. And when we talk to one of the lead traders for BetMGM, their biggest liability for Super Bowl MVP is actually Kenneth Gainwell at 125 to 1. So you have to remember that the quote-unquote sharps or whoever, they're taking him at that number as you know a value play, but you're right. His numbers seem very low, and so Kenneth Gainwell over 11.5 receiving yards I think is where I'm going to be putting my money because if you look at the Chiefs all season long, they've allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs and the fourth most receiving yards to opposing running backs as well. So at 11.5, would not shock me if he can get this in one try. 
And uh, especially in the Super Bowl, when you have a young quarterback, I think it makes sense uh, to do a couple dump-off plays to your running back when you get nervous and everybody has their eyes on the host of receivers that they're probably going to be targeting. So uh, I would go with Kenneth Gainwell over his receiving yards, 11 and a half. I think we all know, uh, and the, one of the big conversations throughout the entire week, and, and in fact throughout his entire NFL career, is the fact that Jalen Hurts can, can take off and run at any time. Uh, and so his, his rushing prop is, is there, um, but if Kansas City can contain him in the pocket, I'm not sure that he can get to that over. Uh, but I am interested in your thoughts on the other starting quarterback and his rushing props and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the, the game a couple weeks ago, the AFC championship game, a lot of questions about the health of that ankle, but he still took off and run a couple of different times. Uh, do you think he can do that again in the Super Bowl? I know that that prop the over under is like 18 and a half. Uh, is that something for Patrick Mahomes that you would be interested in? I think there is a way to play this, but nine is yards. I would look at him anytime touchdown. I think this might be the best value on the board. Patrick Mahomes to score a touchdown and it has to be with his feet, or he has to catch a touchdown pass, which obviously is a long shot. But uh, just for an anytime touchdown, Patrick Holmes, 5-1 to one, to run it in. And I'm aware well, that he is ailing, that his ankle's a little banged up, but it's the Super Bowl. Don't you think if there's any kind of break in coverage at the goal line that he won't just sneak it in? Uh, even if he's scrambling around back, uh, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and then finally just scampers into the end zone. So Patrick Holmes, 5-1 to one, to score a touchdown? I think I'll put a little money on that. Chelsea, when we look at the more basic lines on this, they haven't moved a ton, right? Still a point and a half, still 50 and a half. Are you interested in either of those? I mean, I, I think you pick your winner, right? You just kind of roll with that. But, you know, the over, are you teasing any of that? What are you thinking on the on the two traditional ways to bet it? Man, I've been looking at this game for quite some time. as I'm sure you guys have been as well. Both these numbers seem very sharp to me. Because think about it, the uh, odds makers, this is their biggest game of the season. So all of their time, all of their resources, think about the amount of people that they are employing. All of their resources have gone into this game. So I don't really have an interest in betting on a side or a total. There are over 700 other props that you can bet on. And I feel like that's probably the way you make some money. Of course, you know, everybody wants to know your side and uh, maybe a total on this one. But I don't know, even the total. I can totally see this being like 27-24, which would go over by the hook. But uh, I think both the spread and the total, it's on the board. Uh, Chelsea, so I'm looking at the the stats here as far as the way the bets have been placed, you know, throughout the, the last week or so. And the majority, it's not a huge majority, 55% though of the bets placed are on Kansas City on the money line but 69% on the Eagles to cover the spread. So I know you mentioned the, the sharp money, uh, you know, kind of all over the place on this. But overall, are you seeing more of the public? Do you think that they're, they're currently on the Eagles to cover the spread? Or where, where do you stand on what the, the, the general public is doing nationwide? I would say the public is probably backing the Eagles. That's what my read is, uh, kind of on this game, just from what I've heard from the BetMGM people. Um, I think when it is a, a spread this short, like you just go with who you think is going to win the game. Could it be decided by one point? Sure. Um, but looking at the public numbers is not something that would sway my opinion one way or another when the spread is this short. 
Yeah, and, and following up on that, I mean, obviously, we've got, you know, here in, in Chiefs territory, um, you know, of course, it, we're looking at, you know, specific Chiefs props, like we talked about Patrick Mahomes, and we talked about what Kadarius Tony could do. We know the Eagles defensively, all season long, they've been really good at covering the tight ends. Does that make you want to stay away from anything that Travis Kelsey has to do with the game? No. Travis Kelsey's a cheat code. Uh, yeah, you can say they cover tight ends, but Travis Kelsey's not your average tight end. He also gets the targets that a number one receiver would get. I do think I would stay away maybe from his yardage and just go with either receptions or any time touchdown. This is probably the squarest bet, but Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, why would you not play this? He scored a touchdown in every single postseason game, both this year and last year, even dating back to three years ago. Uh, the only game he didn't score a touchdown in the postseason was the Super Bowl, and that's because the Chiefs did not score a single touchdown in that game. So uh, he's Mr. Reliable for Patrick Mahomes in the end zone. He is big. He is physical. He is unguardable, it seems like. So I think the way you play Travis Kelsey isn't his yards, but his anytime touchdown, minus 125. All right. Uh, let's look at uh, some of the wacky props. Do you get into the wacky props? Do you have favorite wacky props, Gatorade color, anthem stuff? Um, do you stay away from that or do you, you know, do you delve into it like everybody because it's sort of just the thing to do? I think I'll probably play some things just for fun, but as far as actual picks and actual analysis, like you can dive into these things. And we had a discussion about the Gatorade color where, um, I think the chiefs have been an orange team all season long. And then you have, uh, uh, the, the Eagles who have been team yellow, which I guess that's line Gatorade, but. These are not things that I would put a significant amount of money on. Yes, they are fun, and I will probably play something on Rihanna. First song on a halftime, this is what you came for at 7-1. to one. Great play on words here, uh, you know, for the people who are watching the Super Bowl for the concert uh, at the halftime show. And also, instantly recognizable. When she says those first words, you know exactly who's singing it. And so uh, that's the only fun one I'm placing, but it's not a ton of analysis there. Well, I mean, there's not a lot of analysis needed when you're talking about wacky props, right? Like you just you just kind of go with them. You just do your thing. Um, all right, Chelsea. Well, look, we have appreciated this all season long. Um, cannot wait for this game. I, I don't remember a more unpredictable Super Bowl as far as the football goes. It could go a billion different directions. Um, you know, where can people find you here down the home stretch of the last three days to to get the very latest as you make some big decisions on how you're going to bet it? Oh, yes. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Messinger. Also, we have a daily podcast on a daily radio show. But if you don't want to listen for the full three hours at 5 to 8 a.m., you can just search the daily tip wherever you get your podcast. We have it uh, in nice little chunks, uh, every single topic you can imagine. I'm betting the Super Bowl. All right, Chelsea. Well, we appreciate it. Sorry for the technical issues off the top there. Um, we will do this again soon. We'll get some futures bets. We'll do some fun stuff as we make our way through. But this is the big one. Enjoy it, and uh, let's all make some money. Yeah, I'll be rooting for your nerves uh, this weekend. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, there goes Chelsea Messenger. These insider calls presented by BetMGM. You can go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. By the way, the king of sportsbooks is offering football fans a chance at winning big, really, really big. BetMGM's big game prop challenge is free to play and fun to dream about. Enter to win a chance at up to $100,000. Fall a little short. 
Win up to $100 in bonus bets if you get enough questions right. Don't delay. Sign up with BetMGM or log into your account between February 7th and 12th to make your free picks in the BetMGM Big Game Prop Bet Challenge to win up to $100,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to enter. Kansas only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Certain uh, certain rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We will be back. We'll wrap up hour number one on Sports Daily on KFH. Making our way through a Thursday before the Super Bowl. Sports Daily here. Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster with you. Jad Chambers producing. Glad to be with you. Our appreciation to Chelsea Messenger for all her betting insight this year. Uh, We will uh, get her back in occasionally now to talk some futures, get ready for Major League Baseball, see what she likes and all that stuff as well. Uh, We'll, you know, make our picks tomorrow with Paul Savage, Tommy. But, man, it's just sort of hitting right now that football season is... It's almost behind us. It's really sad. Yeah, it's about done. Uh, and, and that's always, you know, you get into uh, the, the week before the Super Bowl and you're you're prepping for it. You're thinking about all the different storylines and then the game comes and goes and then no more football for like six months unless you're like a, what, an XFL fan or the USFL or whatever one of those yeah, new iterations of the league is. Nobody, nobody cares yeah. about that. But other than that, real football, we got like, what, six months until we get mm. started again. Mm-mm-mm. Man, it's going to be tough. But we got great college basketball and interesting baseball, if nothing less, coming around the corner. But we're not there yet. We got to get to the Super Bowl. But NBA has been, uh, you know, not a lot of things can steal headlines from the Super Bowl. The NBA has been trying real hard this week. First, you have Kyrie Irving traded. Then you have LeBron James break the all-time scoring record. And then you have Kevin Durant traded. And I think that came in three successive nights. Um, okay. Kevin Durant is a Phoenix Sun now in a wide-open Western Conference. Kyrie Irving is a Dallas Maverick now in a wide-open Western Conference. We're probably not done yet. I would imagine both of those teams make uh, moves following those and sort of go all in here. It didn't work in Brooklyn, obviously. Who do you think gets significantly better now? And maybe gets put over the edge. Phoenix or Dallas? Because Durant has a little bit of an injury hanging right now. Irving is healthy, so we think. He was pretty good in his debut. Uh, You know, did either of these teams put themselves in a position to win a title with those blockbusters, Tommy? Well, I think between the two, Phoenix probably. uh, because Phoenix was a better, probably better They've got a better core altogether. I mean, obviously Dallas has Luka, and that's great. But I'm not convinced that that relship between Luka and Kyrie will last very long and be very positive i'm gonna go with they just need it to last the, a, they just need to last a, well, you know a few months that's it i'm not sure it can though i mean there's yeah, there's I'm so much unnecessary drama i think phoenix has got to, at least the edge there yeah i'm not either okay uh well, that's our nba discussion for the day we'll see if fred van vliet gets traded we'll keep our eye on that obviously we'll go back to college hoops tim fitzgerald our k-state insider joining us top of the next hour at sports daily with all brock DeCaster. we'll be back after this 